Now, Scotland's talking. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. Music and conversation for a Sunday morning. Hello, good morning to you. I'm Ali Bally. Welcome to Scotland's Talking on the programme between now and midday. I want to hear your views on the latest developments on Brexit. We have less than 50 days to go and still no one knows if there will be a deal or there won't be a deal. Did the President of the European Council, Donald Tusk, hit the nail on the head? I've been wondering what that special place in hell looks like for those who promoted Brexit without even a sketch of a plan. But the former UKIP leader, Nigel Farage, thinks we've got them on the run. They're scared, they're rattled, they're really worried. I was in the Parliament last Wednesday and I saw the fear in Juncker's face, in Barnier's face... Also on the programme, Glasgow has announced plans for contactless payment points where you'll be able to give money to help the homeless. We'll never ever say that not to give money to beggars, but what we're doing is providing an alternative. Now, would that make you more likely to give than putting loose change in a cup? And there's official advice from the nation's top doctor on cutting down on screen time, and it's not just the kids she's talking to. We hear from children that they would like more attention paid to them, and, and we hear that children would like their parents to switch their phones off at mealtimes. So is that she, you she's talking to? Scotland's talking. The phone lines are open now. treble 3 2020 401. Music and conversation for a Sunday morning. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. It seems we're still in stalemate after deciding to go our own way on Brexit, with less than 50 days to go until the date the UK is due to leave the EU. Or, sorry, yes, is due to leave um, uh, European Union. Theresa May has been in Brussels and Dublin trying and again to reach a deal on how to handle the Irish border that both the EU and the Tory MPs can agree on. Now, by the middle of the week, the President of the European Council, Donald Tusk, had clearly had enough and desta- decided to start telling us like it is. I know that still have a great number of people in the UK and on the continent, as well as in Ireland, wish for a reversal of this decision. I have always been with you with all my heart. But the facts are unmistakable. At the moment, the pro-Brexit stance of the UK Prime Minister and the leader of the opposition rules out this question. Today, there is no political force and no effective leadership for Remain. I say this without satisfaction, but you can't argue with the facts. The top priority for us remains the issue of the border on the island of Ireland and the guarantee to maintain the peace process in accordance with the Good Friday Agreement. There is no room for speculation here. The EU itself is first and foremost a peace project. We will not gamble with peace or put a sell-by date on reconciliation. By the way, I've been wondering what that special place in hell looks like for those who promoted Brexit 
without even a sketch of a plan how to carry it safely. The Prime Minister was not impressed. I've raised with uh, President Tusk the language that he used yesterday, which was not helpful and caused widespread dismay in the United Kingdom. And the point I made to him is that we should both be working to ensure that we can deliver a close relationship between the United Kingdom and the European Union in the future, and that's what he should be focusing on. But former UKIP leader Nigel Farage thinks that Britain has got Brussels on the run. They're scared, they're rattled, they're really worried. I was in the Parliament last Wednesday. Uh, I said that their arrogance, uh, the behaviour of the unelected elite was driving British public opinion towards a WTO no-deal Brexit. And I saw the fear in Juncker's face, in Barnier's face. And it was interesting, before that comment, two sentences before... What Tusk was saying is we must not have a no-deal Brexit. They are now getting the heat from the German car manufacturers, the French wine producers, the Belgian chocolate makers, who were saying, for goodness sake, if the UK leaves on March 29th with no deal, we are going to get hit with tariff at a time when the Eurozone is heading into recession. They're scared. So what do you think of what Donald Tusk said? Was he bang out of order, or did he hit the nail on the head? There's also a lot of talk about how much disruption there could be if we end up leaving with no deal. Take just one example of air travel. The boss of Aberdeen Airport is telling Scotland's Tolkien that there's still doubt over whether new summer flights to Europe will be allowed to take off. The managing director, Steve Saloy, explained to our North of Scotland correspondent, Brian Rutherford, that they're still waiting on a decision from the EU. Uncertainty, I suppose, is the key word, and, uh, and nobody likes uncertainty. But deal or no deal, I'm fairly confident that Aberdeen International Airport will continue on the, you know, when it happens on the 29th of March, on the 30th of March our flights, our helicopters will still take off and that will continue throughout April and throughout May. Uh, There's a lot of things happening behind the scenes in terms of making sure that the flights to to Europe, particularly new flights to Europe, can still take place. So, um, So it's an uncertain world. And and maybe if I was at Heathrow, I'd be feeling, you know, wondering what's happening with the cargo products there and what's going to happen with the export. And if I was at the docks at Dover, I might be a bit more worried. But at Aberdeen International, um, our helicopters will take off, our domestic flights will take off, our international flights that we've got for that first week, they will take off. So, so yeah, it's uncertainty, but I'm fairly sure that we'll, we'll ride it out. Is there anything you can tell us uh, in terms of numbers... Uh, or, you know, p- p- percentages of, of, of flights that you're very confident are safeguarded either way mm-hmm. or perhaps a, a percentage of flights that there's currently a question mark over but may very well be resolved very soon. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a big meeting in, on, uh, on Monday to talk about um, new routes. You know, as it stands at the minute, um, the EU have told us that new routes for uh, 2019 uh, would not be able to fly. Um, but hopefully that can get with us still weeks to get that to get that result. So, but that would be about five percent of the airport. So, you know, ninety-five percent of the flights, and actually all flights in that in that first week in the, uh, in, in April, all flights will will be unaffected. I mean, if, if you look at the staff downstairs, there's a sort of there's a resolve about them. You know, they they they, they tackle things in a very very pragmatic way. Um, so, for example, you know, we've we've stockpiled already engineering space. You know, 
sort of head of engineering and say, well, if I can't get this, I'll make sure instead of having three on the shelf, I've got six on the shelf if there's an issue with that. So we know, for example, that all the runway lights, everything like that will be absolutely fine. We've got plenty of resilience built in. So what's your opinion? It's been a few weeks now since we invited calls on Brexit because uh, I was getting the impression that you wanted a rest from it. I think I was right on that one. Uh, so here, here it is. We're opening it up for, for your comments in the way we are at the moment. Um, was uh, Mr Tusk correct in his comments and his frustration? You know, this carrying it through without any actual plan how we get there. Um was all that wrong? What's your thoughts now as we're getting closer? Are you just as confused as you were a year ago? Treble 3 2020 401 is the number. Or you can text 61054. Start your message with Ali. You can email ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. Various ways to get in contact. And hashtag Scotland's Talking is the way you get on Twitter. Plus, I'm on Facebook as well. Um, we started the conversation off on Facebook. So if you've got a comment you want to make, I'd love to hear from you. It is a phone-in, so come on, get on the phone lines. 033-2020-401. Let me know what you're thinking regarding Brexit. Joseph, good morning to you. Good morning, Alan. Lovely sunny Sunday morning. Indeed. A bit chilly, but... A bit chilly, but it's nice. A bit, like, a bit like the temperature in the European Parliament, I think. Aye, well... To me, Ali, they're running scared of us. Really? Yes. I'm talking about uh, the, U- the EU. We're aware multi-corporation companies don't produce a lot of stuff here now, like Heinz's and all we're trying. They're made in four or five EU countries, Ali. So that's going to be come to abroad. I believe the Scottish people, the English people, Welsh people, they've got a lot of role, produce countries, uh, produce companies, Ali, here. They can, like, like, say, bachelors, uh, uh, we'd call it... Uh, Baxters. Baxter's, uh, Free Ben, it's not in, and you've got Birmingham, you've got a lovely big family owned firm there called Cramels. They produce all the sauces and things and all that, Ali. People should buy the local produce. It's here, it's grown here, and it can be used here, Ali. They're, they're running scared of us because Heinz has moved out, HP moved out, all your, uh, Asda and all the companies, they get their, their, their sauces from Poland, all that. And all that. It's sort of actually, Ali, we're buying stuff out there behind us for local produce. It's not, Ali. But it is, is, is it not right, though, Joseph, that if we are looking at these large uh, supermarkets and all our shops buying everything local, we just won't have enough? You know, there will be empty shelves on the supermarkets. They, it will also be more expensive for whatever reason. If, it, if we're buying local, it will be more expensive. So we. You know, we, we will run out of some of the day-to-day goods, will we not? Well, Ali, well, we, we just, well, we, the, the government should actually say, OK, then we'll need to start something here. Steady, everything all go, that's it, shut the doors, and that's it, and then we'll see what happens. You can't shut doors, Ali. Get everybody in our own country's nation and working and producing, Ali. That's the main thing. Don't shut the door on us. Get the, the, the companies here going, look, we need you, the farms, we need you. All these things, Ali. That's the way you should do it, Ali. Not just shutting, your, shutting the door and say, well, we don't know what we're going to do. Get everybody producing, Ali, and that's the main thing. So just get on with it. Is that what you're saying? Get on with it, Ali, because they're very scared. We, we give the, the, the EU more money than any one of the countries over there, Ali. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And we should be getting money back. We, don't, we, we should get back. 
we can produce here, Alec. We've done it during the war. You saw everybody out there working, getting the place up and running and, and freed Europe. So they're, they're running scared there very, very badly. So am I correct in thinking that when the vote took place that you voted to leave? Yes, Ali. And you've definitely no thoughts that you made the wrong decision? No, Ali, because they've been, they've been scamming us for the years, all the years that they've been there. All the billions of pounds have took off us, Ali. Okay, Joseph, thank you very much. That's his thoughts. Um, Very, very one-sided there. I'm I'm thinking of um, businesses as well who uh, are exporting goods, who will become uh, more and more, they'll have tariffs, they'll have red tape. Uh, Where's that going to put them? That could put people out of business. That might happen as well. What What is your thoughts? Confusion, I know, but what is your thoughts on it now? Uh, Eleanor's on the line. Eleanor, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. And what's your thoughts on Brexit as it stands at the moment then? I think Britain's getting a hard time and they don't want us to leave and they give us such a hard time because Spain, Italy and Greece and maybe other countries would want to come out as well Mm -hmm. and they're going to make sure that nobody else tries it. Right, so we're being used as an example then, is that what you're saying? I think so. Mm-hmm. That's about all I can say. It could be the the end of Europe if we start if we come out successfully. That's, yes, that's, that's exactly what I think. That's what you're thinking, right? What about the politicians that have been negotiating on our behalf, Eleanor? Do you do you think over the last couple of years we have had the right people making the moves for the UK, or would it not have mattered who we had? I don't think it would matter, but I think. The people that resigned and left Theresa May to get on with it, why did they not fight with her rather than against her? Right, okay. And are you thinking of those cabinet ministers or are you thinking people like David Cameron who started the whole thing off? Well, I think he did what people thought they wanted, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it was maybe thought totally 100% what the outcome might be. But I think they could have given Theresa May a bit more backing. And I'm not saying she's right, I'm not saying she's wrong, but I just think it's a shambles. What about then the President of the European Council this week, Donald Tusk? What about his comments saying that... I think he's rather um, rude, actually. Hmm. I've heard more people saying, reading through social media as well, uh, this since he made those comments, I've, I've sort of been ticking them up, you know, and, and those who were for his comments and those who were against it. And and I seem to come out, you know, that, that it came out to me that there was more people agreed with him in, in saying well done in what he said because Britain did go into this without any plan. Our politician oh, took us that's, there. That's very true, but you don't need to be quite so brutal. Well, maybe it's time somebody stood up and told it as it is. Eleanor, thank you very much indeed. Your thoughts, 033-2020-401. Join us on Scotland's Talking. It's all about opinions. I'm looking for yours. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking. Good morning, Ali. This text comes in from Bill and he says, I think a deal will be done, maybe at the 11th hour, because both the EU and the UK want to leave with one rather than a catastrophic, clean, no-deal-break. No Thank you very much indeed, 
uh, Bill. Another one in here on the text. The days of old Blighty and the glorious empire are long gone. All that remains is British arrogance. As a nation, we have pillaged our way around the world, taking whatever and whoever we want. Now the chickens are coming home to roost. Hang on to your hat. Thank you for that. Uh, Billy on social media, on Twitter, he says, Scotland's talking, uh, scare tactics, empty shelves. Surely. I didn't think they were scare tactics, Billy. That's not what I meant. I'm just throwing out there is that could be what happens. I mean, when you, you, you talk to or you watch some of the, the reports coming in from those who are bringing goods in, I'm talking um, food, we're talking fruit, we're talking veg, that type of stuff, uh, it will be held up. There is no doubt um, that there will be uh, tariffs. So, you know, it's um, it's reasonable to presume that if we, as our first caller was, he was advocating that everything should be uh, local, should be bought from British uh, suppliers. I'm saying, well, maybe, you know, that will lead to some empty shelves. That's all I'm asking. I wasn't saying it was definitely going to happen. But uh, thank you for your comment anyway. That's what it's it's all about. It's all about opinions. You've got yours. Uh, I've got mine. And uh, Mr. Tusk had his. Uh, John, how are you? Good morning, Ali. How are you this morning? Okay? Fine, thank you. Yes. Uh, that Mr. Tusk, let's get the, the, the neighbours from hell. I think he's the neighbours from hell. I think they're shaking in their boots, Europe. Because this nation that we've got, they can look after themselves. We've been giving them money... For, and half of them are across the air, and we've taken jobs and whatever. So I think we would do better with no deal, Ali. No. This is Theresa May. I mean, Mr. Theresa May, she's working her socks off to get a deal, and it's all because of this island thing. But she's doing the best. And I think we should leave without a deal. Because we're just playing, 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 and talking, talking, talking. It's going to go on forever. And now they want another referendum. Well, another referendum! We've had all this year of this referendum as it is and other things. And they're all getting into action. So I think we should just go, Ali. We just go and that's it. We can manage ourselves. I mean, you're a young guy. You're only a chicken, you know. I mean, during the war, we thought and this country was the greatest country in the world. Things have changed. Things have changed, John. Come on. No, but no, what, what, about, what no, about the jobs? That we, you know, do you not think that if, if we just go, there is that danger that we will suffer some job losses? Of country. course you will. Of course, there's always something going to happen. Everybody's going to get a good deal. But at the latter end, I think we'll be better off. I think so, because, I mean, Theresa May, she's tried and tried. She's doing her best. And she's had a plan. And Mr. Tusk, whatever it is, <laughs> the neighbour from hell, I mean, but he, he didn't really... Have they got, the only plan they've got is the one which has been given to them. And they're not going to change at all. But it's... Northern Ireland thing. I mean, why, I think at Northern Ireland sort of it's going to be okay. Like they're going to be friends again. You're still going to have to negotiate. People are still what businesses. Business is business. We will still have business against each other. So it's all about big businessmen. They, they want their money in that. We're in the middle. Okay, so just leave. Just get on with it. Yeah, that's it. Just go on. We get back to Great Britain. <laughs> okay, thank you very much indeed. From one John to another John. John, good morning to you. Good morning, Ali. How are you, my friend? I'm good, thank you. Your thoughts as to where we are at the moment, then? Well, I've got one question I would like to ask. Apart from the fact that the government have had all this time to try and get this right, it's always been my policy in life that if you're paid to do something, 
and you can't do it, you step back and let somebody who can do it have a shot at it. So that's my first point. The second point is that if we leave Europe, I would be right in thinking that I think it's 47 Euro MPs become redundant. Now, will they be redundant or will the government make jobs up for them because they can't afford to make them redundant? Well, it'd be the European, it, it would be European Council that makes them redundant, wouldn't it? The European Parliament that would make them redundant. So why? Yeah, but the fact, the, the fact of the matter would be that they would still be redundant, Ali. And um, would our, our government allow them to be redundant? Can they allow them to be redundant? I would think many of them, John, have been planning. You know, they have ever since the UK voted to leave. Surely these MEPs have been planning that they're going to get a payoff anyway and quite happy to, to just disappear. Oh, I don't know so much, Ali. I don't know so much. But it's, it's a thought, it's a question that nobody seems to be bringing forward. Um, Theresa May has been back and forward to Brussels that many times like a fiddler's elbow and still no managed to get anywhere. And I really don't think she is going to get anywhere because she's got a stubborn, arrogant attitude that if I were there, I wouldn't be tolerating it because it really is quite upsetting. Even when you're not there, you can see it. You will do it my way or not at all. Is there someone else then in the current government that you would rather have negotiating? As I say, Ali, if she can't do it, get somebody in who can. What right, about Jeremy okay. Corbyn? Sorry? What about Jeremy Corbyn? But he's not in the current government, is he? That's the problem. Well, I will remove the government. They're a false, they're a false government anyway. She was never elected into power. He was placed in power because of their misgivings in the first place. So you think that Jeremy Corbyn could go out there and do a better job than Theresa May is doing? Well, I can't do any worse a job, Ali, because at the present moment, Theresa May hasn't done any kind of job. Nothing. She has done nothing at all. She has went with her attitude, her rules, and when they, were, they said, no, we're not having it, she spat the dummy out. And even our own colleagues... In Westminster, have said you're not on Theresa. We can't do this, and she's no listening. Okay, John. Thank you very much indeed. Do you agree or disagree with John that um, Jeremy Corbyn would have made a better job of it than Theresa May? Oh, treble three twenty twenty four oh one is the number. Scotland's talking the podcast, and a tweet in from Captain Morgan. He says, your last caller is living in cloud cuckoo land. Can I have some of what he's on? No one is running scared from us. Britain is the laughing stock of the world. Thank you for that. Uh, keep those calls coming in as well. O treble three twenty twenty four zero one. What do you think of where we are at with Brexit? Paul, hello, good morning to you. Hello, how are you doing, Alex? I'm all right, thanks, Paul. Yourself? Not bad. Good. Hey, uh person that tweeted that message wants to have a look at the, the finer details of things before it comes up with that rubbish. Um, just speaking about Theresa May earlier, there, uh, the 
gentlemen before, we made a lot of points, a lot of them were, as the tweeter says, not uh, not great, but he made a great point about Corbyn going in and um, negotiating. The, I've seen things with Corbyn in the last uh, few years and how his views in Europe have uh, changed. His only ten, the agenda was different uh, at that time right enough. Now he seems to be using it as a excuse, Europe as an excuse to maybe overthrow me and get into power. But going back a decade ago, he was he was all for wanting out of Europe. Mm-hmm. All the only politicians uh, agendas changes for going through the years. Theresa May should never have been allowed to go in and negotiate in the first place because she doesn't want out of it. So it's a very, very difficult job I've gave her. Probably the most difficult time for a Prime Minister for Churchill. We're uh, looking at people saying that they wouldn't miss us. We're one of the top five economies. Why would anybody not want to trade with we look at what they've done for they've come in, they've assets, they're up to country. But the utilities are all foreign owned, but banking, foreign owned, transport systems run by foreign companies. And once again, somebody mentioned earlier on, I think when we leave, they'll be queuing up to leave also, apart from the people that are taken and not given. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got a lot of countries in there that don't really contribute. They take more than they, they give, and there's got to be a wee bit of fairness here. So where where do we go from here then? In, in your opinion, Paul, we're, it's difficult. I think, we're in a I stalemate think they, situation, aren't we? I think they messed up at the start, and I would attain. I know it divides a lot of opinion, but I would have went down. To, Oops, I'm sorry. We seem to have uh, you're, you're disappearing, Paul. Um, I, I would have tended at the start of it. I think we made the mistake. I think we should have went at the start, won with a no deal, and then it's up to them to negotiate. We seem to be giving up every time we're getting in. Ireland's going to be a big problem. It's definitely going to be probably the biggest problem she's going to have right now. But um, we should have started with a no deal. Okay, Paul, thank you. I got one in from Maureen who says, Maureen Swiss says, if David Cameron had gone to Brussels and fought for changes, we wouldn't be in this mess. He, I think, thought we wouldn't vote to leave. So in his arrogance, he didn't even try to get us the changes that would suit the British public. Well, certainly, uh, uh, I think history will show itself that David Cameron was indeed caught out there. He didn't expect the vote to go the way it went. So he felt the only... um, uh, he hadn't sold it well enough, so it was time that he should go and stand down. Uh, Martin, hello, Martin. Hi there, how are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Well, my point is, we've spent two years negotiating with the European Union, and the European Union and the British government have agreed on, a, on, on an exit an exit strategy. And now the, the British government are saying, no, it doesn't suit us. If I go to the bank and I decide to take a loan from the bank, I can't go to the bank three months later and say, listen, I'm not happy with interest loan, I want the interest loan reduced. We've agreed an agreement with the European community and we've got to stick to it. Simple as that. Right. So where did it go wrong then? Should Theresa May have been um, consulting more? Yes, definitely. There should have been a cross-parliamentary working group, not Mm. just the the, the, the Tory MPs. They sent MPs into Parliament into the uh, negotiations who didn't want to remain part of Europe. 
There should have been people from both sides who went, some who wanted to remain part of Europe, some who wanted to leave Europe and get a, get a proper agreement. But once the agreement's in place, because we don't like it, you can't just cancel it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's illegal. For a start, and we're blaming the European community. They're sticking to the agreement. We're the ones that are going against the agreement that's been signed. And that's my point. OK, thank you very much indeed, Martin. Martin, with his point there, that an agreement was made and it's us that now want to change it. Mary Francis says, on listening to the guy saying we coped during the war on our own by growing our own food, obviously he's not old enough to remember the rationing, as we could not produce enough food then for a lot smaller population. So how on earth could we do it now? And people would not want to grow their own. So, you know, she's saying... with didn't work for us before. Liz uh, says, listen to what was said about Brexit and I'm no more than nearer to believe that it's the best way to go. You've heard the expression, when hell freezes over, hope this won't be the case for us. Instead of moving forward, we could find ourselves worse off if it's been an agonising wait. Well, let's hope it's all been worth the the wait when we eventually get the outcome. Thank you, Liz. Keep those calls coming in if you have a view on Brexit as to where we are at the moment. That number again, 033-2020-401. We will bring in another couple of subjects after the news at 11. Uh, Here's one that's, you know, you can stop and think to yourself. Have you got a guilty conscience when you hear the latest official advice on screen time? I'm not talking about television screen time. It's not just the kids that are on their iPads and their phones. Um, some kids are saying they would like mums and dads to put the phones away uh, at tea time on the dinner table or whatever. So we'll be talking about that. And would you be more likely to give money to a beggar if you could pay by card instead of throwing some coins into a cup? Now, we're not talking about giving them chip and pin terminals. Instead, Glasgow has announced plans for contactless payment points where you could donate to help the homeless. We're finding out more about that in the next hour of Scotland's Talking. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking. We've been talking Brexit, still lots of uh, comments coming in. Uh, Rod, thank you very much indeed for yours. He says, uh, I just love the comment saying the EU has been scamming us for years. It was just announced last week that Britain has robbed India of 400 trillion quid in the past, and that was just one country we plundered. The hypocritical rule Britannia mentality in this country is rife. Norma says, I was about to comment about the naivety, ignorance and arrogance surrounding Brexit, but it's too late. We've got 50 days left to sort something out, and those who think that crashing out without a deal is the way to go are in for a heck of a shock. Okay, Agnes. Good morning. What do yes. you think? Oh, I I don't know. I'm I'm really despair at all this, eh, all these these talks and and just to me it's just all people playing for their own gain. I'm very concerned about how he's speaking about um, the eh, the we've made the deal and we must abide by it and things like this. And I've always believed, as I always used to say, I don't know why I've stopped saying it, nothing's agreed until everything's agreed. And we're going into this big black hole where we don't even know where we're going to end up. So to me, as far from everything, everything is not agreed. Mm-hmm. This to me is paramount in all this uh, negotiation. Nothing is agreed until everything's agreed. And everything is far from agreed. Well, no, that's because nobody can agree. 
Yeah, but the thing is, how can we be held accountable for making choices and says we must abide by this mm-hmm. if, not, if everything is not yet agreed? They say nothing is agreed until everything's agreed. Yeah, I know, everything but I, I, don't quite, I, I don't quite understand where we're going with that. You know, where you're going with that argument. No, it's, but the thing is, they can't hold us accountable and say we must do this or we must do that and we must honour these choices when everything is not agreed. We could just turn and say, well, I'm sorry, the negotiation is not worked and we have got another a new plan and we intend to do this or that. I really think... Everybody is so, not just critical, dishonest from all parties to the EU to our own parliament. And I really think we should just do what's best for the people. People keep on talking about the country as in power and people with money. The people that make the money is the people that's doing the work. And it's the people that should be caring about, not their own self, not their millions that they pocket away or hide away in other countries. The country is so broken by people that is mis- that misplaced loyalties about their jobs, where mm-hmm. they're fending for themselves and not the people that they've been voted in for the- to care for them and to look after them. The country has never been, in fact, the world has never been in such a state. And it's, it's all over the world. Everybody is dishonest and stealing off the people and killing people to get whatever. And this is a worldwide problem here, and we need to try and change it and get back to... I would, I would really like to see the power starting to take a stock of where they're going with all these high people making more money when nobody at the bottom is getting any. It's time we started thinking of life first. Life, what is important? Starting for like, the, group, the roots, you know, at the bottom, and looking after the people that need it and bringing people up in the world. All everybody keeps on doing is making this big gap bigger and bigger and bigger between rich and poor, where nobody is even considered anymore. OK, Agnes, speaking passionately with her thoughts there, thank you very much indeed. you agree or do you disagree with her? Give us a call. 0333 2020 Ian. Hi, Ian. Hi, good morning. Good morning to you. So... Where are you with this at the moment, then? Well, the way it stands at the moment, I am in favour of a no deal. OK. The EU have made it quite clear. Theresa May seems very slow in the uptake. She keeps trying to buy time. It reminds me of Chamberlain at Munich, where she keeps asking for time, but never gets in. And the only way to get the EU to a negotiating table is to go for no deal. Because the European companies that trade with the UK are not going to stand back and lose a market. But you see, this should never have come to a referendum. David Cameron kicked all this off then ran away. Mm -hmm. When he drew up his manifesto, he should have made it clear, we are proposing leaving the EU. Because it was to head off UKIP. That's what's caused all this mess. And every Tory MP that stood as a candidate should have swore allegiance to the fact that we're committed to pulling out of Europe. And it should have been done at the ballot box because, see, when you do referendums, all you create is a, basically a civil war. 
where the country goes against itself. I find it amazing you have MPs in Parliament just now voting to remain, still trying to fight to remain, mm -hmm. but their constituency has said we want to leave. But they, the EU have been very, they're very dogmatic about this, especially with the backstop. We're not bending. So the only, you're going to need to do something drastic to change that. And it's hilarious that the person that's in charge of negotiations is a Remainer. Yeah, who found herself in that position by mm -hmm. default, really, though, didn't she? Uh, she didn't need to stand for the job. Mm -hmm. You're right, yeah. And I mean, it's funny, the, the man standing next to her at most times you see her on TV is a wee guy with glasses on. That's her husband. Yep. And he has a lot to lose if things go wrong because he's in the money markets. But uh, why would you fight? Why would you bring a pacifist prime minister in when you're in the middle of a war? There's an interesting documentary on one of the channels. This is a three-parter. And EU proved at the last episode last Monday night they will do anything to save the euro. And Italy's back in money trouble. But this border carry on with Ireland, there's no solution to that. And unless you... It's like going to a poker table where your opponent has got the full pack. That's not a fair game. So you've got to try and break that deadlock somehow. And... Where's Czechoslovakia going to ship all their cars to if the British markets no start slapping tariffs on? Was mm -hmm, mm -hmm. BMW, Volkswagen, Audi, just name name a few. Absolutely. What? Yeah. You know, nobody seems to look at the positive end of this. Davis, you know, there, there was an episode on BBC News this week. Sorry for dropping other channels in. Sorry, right, I don't mind. They they were in a market, an outdoor market in Essex, and they were talking about we won't get. Spanish lettuces if we get an audio. Well, what's the Spanish going to do? Give them to the farmers the pigs for Pigsville? Because where are they going to sell the lettuces that they're selling here just now? So they've as much to lose. That's what I've always yep. argued that. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that Parliament, there's a hardcore group of MPs of all parties that don't want to leave Europe because you see that's our next step look at the Canucks they've become millionaires with becoming MEPs mm -hmm. there's a massive conflict of interest in this and people and the general public don't get to know it but no deal then we can negotiate for scratch OK Ian thank you very much indeed some uh, interesting points there which we can continue talking about if you would like to comment on what he was saying then that number is 033 401. I want to move on to another subject as well, but keep the Brexit topic going. Have you got a guilty conscience when you hear the latest official advice on screen time? Because it's not just the kids, you know. All the chief medical officers in the UK have put together guidance for parents, which include things like banning mobile phones from the dinner table and at bedtime. Is that one of your bad habits? Our political correspondent, Alan Smith, has been chatting to Dr Catherine Calderwood for Scotland's Talking. We were put under pressure, really, by children and their parents to have some advice 
for the use of social media and screen time, we know that children are wanting some kind of guidance and, and perhaps some limits, but there's evidence that we've looked at doesn't give us a clear guidance to be able to say a particular length of time is harmful. Do you think this is the type of thing that, that parents need? Because we all hear about um, perhaps things they should do or, or shouldn't do with their, their children, but this advice from chief medical officers from across the UK, is this the type of thing they need? We really are offering practical advice for parents, top tips if you like, so that they can use them or, or not if they're concerned. We've said that it's probably better not to have the phone in bedrooms overnight. We know that one in five children wakes up at night to check their social me media. We know that children then don't concentrate as well in school if their sleep's interrupted. We've also said mealtimes, maybe phone-free, and that children perhaps should put the screens down and do something else, like uh, run around, go outside, and, and to move after maybe a couple of hours of using their screens. So it's, it's practical advice. The evidence isn't strong, but there is an association that prolonged screen time does lead to increased anxiety and depression in children, and, and the children don't recognise that and don't like it. Noticed some of the other advice centred around perhaps that children, you shouldn't assume that your child wants their, their photos published online as well. I think we have people sending messages and photos all the time and in fact when we ask children they're not comfortable all the, and, and they haven't necessarily given consent. So we're encouraging parents to talk to their children, to talk to them about sensibly sharing online but also to check that their children are happy with what the parents are sharing. This is perhaps a message here for parents to, to lead by example because I'm sure it's adults as well as children who are perhaps a bit guilty of, of not really paying attention to what's around them because we're so glued to our phones. And we hear from children that they would like more attention paid to them and, and we hear that children would like their parents to switch their phones off at mealtimes. So definitely leading by example and as my children said to me this morning, was I going to, to, to join in and follow my own advice? <laughs> uh, so do you worry about the amount of time you spend looking at your phone? Have you banned them from the dinner table? On the other hand, is that any worse than the days when we used to read the newspaper at breakfast? We heard Dr Calderwood suggesting to Alan that we should be getting kids away from their screens. But if you're a parent or a grandparent, you'll know how hard that can be at times. Margaret Hunter-Blair is Chief Executive of Play Scotland, a charity which has been going for 21 years. So this has been a problem long before phones and tablets. Then, Margaret, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, has it been a problem of, of parents... Attention has been diverted away for a long time now on different things? I think, I think parents have an awful lot on their plate. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And um, I know when we talk about children's lack of opportunity to play, you know, some of the, the, the kind of new champions that we get are the grandparents because they have more time for children, for their grandchildren, and they realise the pressure that the parents are under. So I think parents are struggling to cope with lots of pressures. They want their children to do well at school, they want them to thrive and be healthy and well. And there's just constant messages coming. And I think parents start to lose belief in themselves and they start to worry and look to the government and other bodies for um, a clear steer. And I think there's a lot of anxiety that parents now have rather than having a confidence in themselves that's reinforced by the wider family network and the grandparents as they would have been in the past. Um, it wasn't just left to the parents to bring up the children, you know, mm. it was a wider family. So the huge pressures on the parents to get it right and 
And I think in the advice that was given about screen time, you know, the parents wanted a number, two hours, three hours, 40 minutes, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, because I think everybody feels more comfortable. We can tick the box. But it's actually much more complicated than that, um, as Cathy uh, Calderwood was saying there. It's not something, though, that is being called for a total ban, is it? I mean, it's, it's, you have to take it, it... It's technology. It's moving forward. We've got to educate our children to use these type of devices. I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think what the Chief Medical Officer's advice was in general was about um, the balanced day of the child, the balanced day of parents. You know, adults need a balanced day as well. We talk in the play sector about a balanced diet of play. You know, we don't want children outside 24-7, uh, but we don't want them inside 24-7. We, we want them to be able to use screens and have good play opportunities and screen time. We want them to be able to go out and ride a bike. We want them to have adventures, build resilience, you know, um, make friends. So we're really looking for a balanced diet. And I think it's one of the things we really find difficult in today's society to have a balance of anything, mm. um, never mind screen time. But that is the solution. It's definitely not a ban. One thing that. I see quite often, and, and I suppose it goes back as well, me thinking back to in my younger days, and it's, if you can just bear with me for a minute, and paint, I'll paint a picture here of a mum in uh, a few years ago pushing a pram where the baby would be looking at mum in that type of pram, the big pram. Yes, yes. Now it's changed to buggies. So the, pra- the baby or the, the wee one in the buggy is normally facing away from mum and mum's got a mobile phone welded to her ear as she walks along the street. Uh, how can she be communicating with that kid? I think, it, obviously, that is a big issue. And um, the previous chief medical officer, Harry Burns, Sir Harry Burns, I remember him calling it serve and return and, you know, the baby looks at mum or dad or, or whoever's pushing them in the buggy. Um, they really want a connection, an eye connection back. They smile at you. They want a smile back. Um, and that helps build the confidence of the wee one. You know, there's lots going on in that social interaction. It's a very basic interaction. But it really is the complete foundation of um, health and well-being in the baby. That's where the foundation starts from, this serif and return, as they call it. So... Not connecting. Um, I know you see a lot of signs now outside of schools that say, greet your child with a smile, not a mobile. Um, and you know the children are running out with their wee P1 pictures to show you know, whoever's collecting them. And if that person is engaged on the phone and not paying attention, it's very crushing. You know, it's not a good experience for the children to have. So I do think the problem with, with the phones um, is they are very addictive and... I heard somebody saying that if we could put them onto grayscale, they wouldn't be as addictive and not have the notifications on. So I think we're almost programmed to respond to these noises that come through the phone and beeps and, you know, messages coming in. And almost without thinking, we're responding to it. And then you get captured, your attention is diverted and the child doesn't get the attention it needs. Okay, so in in wrapping that up with you then at the moment... uh, as far as Play Scotland is concerned, what's your piece of advice to mums? I think get out and play more. Let children look at the horizons because it's better for their eyesight. Let them have some rough and tumble play. A few bumps and bruises um, are really good for them. And have some fun with them yourself outside because it's really important for mums and dads to have outdoor adventure play opportunities as well. So get out and play more. And talk. I think talk to children about... Um, and setting up family rules for screen time. And the children will be very quick. Children love rules. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they love making up rules, and they get very cross when the parents break the rules. So I think it'd be very good for everybody, for all the families, if they talk and they make up the rules together, and the people that will keep us all on track will be the children. I was going to say that. They'll tell us when they we're are, getting They are brilliant. Children yeah. are actually very resilient and competent. We need to worry more about us sometimes, I think. Certainly, when coming to working mobiles and screens, they, they leave me behind. Absolutely. Absolutely yes. <laughs> Find the youngest person in the room, that's what I that's say. It. Margaret, thank you very much indeed for joining no us problem. on the programme. That's thank lovely. you. Bye-bye thank now. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Margaret Hunter-Blair, Chief Executive of Play Scotland. Um, so I, I, I like that little bit that she's talking about that is outside of schools. Um, there are little signs that say, greet your child with a smile, not a mobile. Uh, as they come running out of school to tell you about their, their day. Don't be on the mobile phone. Greet them. What are your thoughts? Have you had problems with it? Have you got a solution? Treble 3 2020 401. And banning them is not the solution. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Glasgow has announced plans for contactless payment points where you could donate to help the homeless. They're calling the scheme Alternative Giving. Now, the money would go into a fund that would pay for specific things people need to get themselves off the streets, like clothes for a job interview. Would that make you more likely to give if you knew where it was going and that someone was keeping an eye on what it was being spent on? Glasgow City Councillor Alan Casey told our reporter Kerry-Ann Doherty it's about giving people a chance. We'll never ever say that not to give um, money to beggars. That's that's every individual's um, prerogative if they want to do that. But what we're doing is providing an alternative which businesses and um, individuals in the city um, can, can contribute to um, and it will go directly to organisations who are working with people who are begging in the city. And why did you decide that this was needed in Glasgow City Centre? Over the last two years, um, we've been conducting um, a begging strategy for the city. Um, There is obviously a number of people who are begging in the city, and what we're trying to do is create a strategy which assists them in getting out of uh, that that, that lifestyle and getting them out of the situation that they're in. If it's businesses that are assisting, they can provide training opportunities, they can provide um, guidance and help to people who are on the streets and provide them with alternatives. And also the people on the streets um, can access that fund if they need, for instance, um, assistance in getting to job interviews or assistance in, in if they need clothes or anything like that for uh, interviews. So that will be the, 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 the kind of idea of it. So it's a practical solution for them um, to, to give them an opportunity. And how will they, you know, find out about this? Is there there some way that you're going to let them know that this is there for them? Well, as part of the work that we've been doing, um, we have hired already a social and digital inclusion officer who engages with people who are begging in the city on a day-to-day basis. So they have one-to-one um, sessions with people who are begging in the city, ensuring that they get the benefits, etc., that they require. And this will be part of it. So the, street, the, the Simon Community Street team will be working alongside the people in the city to ensure that they're aware of this uh, scheme and, and, and how they can access the funds on it. And can you just um, talk me through a little bit about the the contactless giving points? Do we know where these are going to be? This is this is at a very early stage, so we're still working. Um, the, we're still working the final details of the scheme, but we'll be hoping that all businesses within the city will engage with us, and this could be Glasgow's response to um, assist people who are begging. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting way to to look at it. I mean, the the money that is is. I would think, is that not going to be an addition to maybe putting a couple of quid in somebody's cup that they're rattling for a coffee or whatever? Because 
if if you're giving that money's not going directly to them, but I, I would still like to think that if that guy or woman or girl or man is sitting there with uh, a cup in their hand and they could do with a the coffee, then it's they're not going to have to go and apply for it. I can understand this is seems to be uh, this um, is is taking it a step further, which is is good news, is it? O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. Would you be more likely? to hit with your chip and pin uh, towards helping the the beggars in the streets, the homeless? Would you be more likely to do that than put it into a cup as you walk past? Or do you just turn away and walk past anyway? I think we're all guilty of that. Let's go on the phone line. Stephen. Morning, Ali. Good morning to you. When you're trying to be again, you are five or Ali's a homeless. I just, just think it's... That word begging shouldn't even be in there, Ali. But that's, the equation. that's what they're doing. Yeah, well, no. Some of them actually have mental health issues. Yeah. Some of them actually have uh, addictions. But the majority that I see, and I would say 98% of them, are entrepreneurs, Ali. They've seen a cliche in the market here for their job opportunity. They sit in these street corners. They've made enough fortune in that trial road. All cash-free and they're sitting there with the best of clothes on, Ali. They're the people we should be targeting, the social services and the police. We should be lifting them off the street and saying, here you, you're getting benefits, you're in DLA, you're getting the high end of it, all the benefits is gone, you're making them £100 a day sitting there in all weathers. They've got the best of clothes, Ali. But there must, well, why should there that must, be Stephen, there must be some, there must be some genuine people I would say, if you got into the Helaman's the, the umbrella, I've walked the streets of Glasgow Alley. I know what I'm talking about. Listen. I've walked the streets. I, I, I was... I was just before Christmas, let me just to say, just before Christmas, I was walking through the city centre of Glasgow and I was astonished at the amount who were begging. Uh, you know, it, it, it is without... It was every corner, sometimes twice in a corner. It, it is a major problem. I understand that. It's a... Tell you what, Ali, they're led by criminals, some of them. And you can look, and there is a lot of farmers in there as well. You can watch them, Ali. The grannies in one corner, the son or the auntie, they're all, they're all grouped up in different corners. All, a lot of them are families. But there was genuine ones, which I was trying to finish with under the healing's umbrella. But the problem you have with these folks is there is mental health issues with them. And the councils or the local governments have not got the facilities to take these people in. I was listening to that general job interviews and other. These fucking triers, can you buy a road? I call it triers road. There's buyers road. Can you buy a road, Ali? And it must have about a dozen of them, day in and day out. And all you say, cash machines, fancy shops. These people are not, they're no homeless. They're no hard up, Ali. I'll tell you something else. They're smoking tip cigarettes. You've got a differential. Take these real ones and weed them out. But the ones that I'm seeing in Glasgow, they're at it, are we? So, so is, is this then not a good idea from... No. Uh, why? Because you're not having to give cash and you're making sure, if you want to make a donation, you're making ah. sure that the money you're giving is going to the people that need it. Well, let's go another way, Ali, with that. There's charities for cancer, Oxfam, all these big, big companies. Multi-billions getting pumped into them. And right up to the chief executive, we're paying wages into these big companies. This is the problem, Ali. 
Okay, Stephen, thank you very much indeed. What's your thoughts? Has Stephen got a point there? If you put a couple of quid in somebody's cup that he's rattling or whatever he may be, or he or she may be rattling to get a cup of coffee or whatever they're going to do with it. If you put a couple of quid in, you know that couple of pounds is going to that person that you've just given that couple of pounds to. If you do it on the proposed way that uh, Councillor Alan Casey was talking about, um, then somewhere along the line, if uh, the Glasgow City Council are giving that money to an organisation, then somewhere along the line, that £2 doesn't make it all the way back to the person that's in need because that £2, as Stephen was saying, his point was that that £2 will have costs taken off for the administration of that charity. So it might only be that £1.50 makes it way back. So if you're giving directly, but... I can, I, you know, I applaud Glasgow City Council and Alan Casey there for at least looking at this. They recognise there is a problem, and it's, it's, you know, it is a problem that uh, Stephen's saying as well. There are professional people out there sitting and making a lot of money every day. What's your thoughts? Oh, treble three twenty twenty four oh one. You're listening to Scotland's Talking the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking. Scotland's Talking, and we've got a few minutes left just to to wind up some of the comments because there have been quite a few coming in uh, via email and social media about all the things we've been talking about today. Uh, Here's one in from Mike, and he says, I've finally got to say something about all this nonsense flying around. We are not leaving Europe. Europe will continue dangling off the bottom right-hand corner of England for many years to come. Even if referring to the European people, the statement is still not right. Business leaders in Britain and the various EU countries do not want to cut off ties with each other and they actually know what they're talking about. What is the case, though, says Mike, is that unelected, overpaid non-entities who are not even competent enough to run up a set of basic accounts, are terrified of losing all their pay and perks for doing nothing of any real use to mankind. They come from no particular country. We have our share as well here. These are people from whom we, Greeks, Italians, Spaniards, Ital, would like a break. OK, Mike, you have had your say. Thank you very much indeed. For, for that, uh, here's one that comes in regarding the homeless people. It comes from Elaine, and she says, Homeless people won't see much of the money. Thank you for that. And um, Michael, this time, on the on Twitter, says that uh, using the word beggars, it's a degrading term. Thank you for that. I think a few people feel that way. Thank you. And here's one from Louise. says, I hear what Stephen is saying about beggars, truth be known, a lot of those organised beggars are trafficked 
and having to hand over the money to their pimps and getting little, uh, if any, for themselves. Thank you for that. Um, and there's another one here that says, so glad, oh yes, we're talking about uh, screen time and, and, I, and I brought up the fact of push chairs facing the other way, which always astonished me is why we ended up like that. And here's one from Margaret. She says, so glad you brought up the fact that push chairs are now facing away uh, from mum and mum is on her mobile. One of the joys of motherhood was talking to baby when out walking. Why on earth did manufacturers decide prams, etc., were better facing the other way? Plus, babies are open then to whatever weather and is not sheltered by mum. Love the show. Thank you very much indeed, Margaret, for that. And uh, Liz would, I think, agree with you there. She says, about the baby in the pram facing the other way and the mother on her mobile phone, I see this on a daily basis when walking my dog in the local park. This woman in particular has also has a dog in tow and was distracted by being on her phone and was obvious, uh, t- oblivious to sorry, oblivious to what was going on around her. She says, I rest my case. So if anything was to happen, she wouldn't see what was going on. Okay, get that. And one in from John who says, I know of someone who lives very close to me, lives in a house. Uh, he's not destitute by any means, but he does live on benefits. And three times a week, he gets on a bus and he heads to the main city and he spends time begging. And he comes back quite the richer in the fact that he only needs to do that three days a week and he's got plenty of cash. Those are the type of people that Stephen was talking about. It's true, but how do we separate those who are in genuine need? Like Stephen said as well, there are people there with, with mental health issues, with addiction problems. Those are the people we need to help. And this idea from Glasgow City Council of make it, making pay points available, whether, as uh, Councillor Alan Casey was saying from Glasgow City Council, was it may be that every business will be able to take part. So these pay points may be available in every business and we'll be raising money for the homeless. It's getting it to the right people. I take that point. An interesting programme today. Thank you very much indeed for all your comments. Lots of calls on Brexit, lots of comments as well. Uh, it continues on my Facebook page, uh, Ali Bali Show. Uh, you'll find there more people with their comments 